Welcome again to our another lesson of our encounter. It's uh, Becky and Chris on the road again. On um, the road again. We are doing a young adult ministry cohort on spiritual disciplines, and we are currently in um, Townsend, Tennessee. Townsend, Tennessee, yeah. Um, at the Tuckalahitchie. Is that how you say that? Tuckalahitchie. Tuckalahitchie, okay. Um, cabins? Retreat center. Retreat center. Retreat center. It's beautiful. If you haven't been here, it's beautiful. I've never been here before. So welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to be on Joe. Oh, if you haven't before, like and subscribe. Yes. That helps us out. I uh, do want to say thank you for, you know, everybody's everybody's continued watching of this. So I yes. hope you found it helpful. You are appreciated. Thank you so much. So this will be for July 17th. Uh, that'll be Job 38, 1 through 11. Our devotional reading is Isaiah 40, 6 through 26. Our prayer for illumination today. Almighty God, by the power of your word, shake us from our ignorance. Incline our ears to hear words of wisdom and grace. Humble our hearts to receive words of eternal life. Amen. Amen. Like that prayer. And then uh, memory verse today, verses said, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? That's Job 38, Ooh. 1 and 2. Yeah, this gets uh, kind of serious. We are finally, I think, we're turning to what would be really the the meat, the unsatisfying meat that is the book of Job. But, yes. Um, but anyway, uh, so I'll start with the discussion question in the introduction. Becky, have you ever heard the Lord speaking to you? And how does God speak to you? That's a great question. It is a good question. It is an awesome question. Yes. The answer is yes. I have heard the Lord speaking to me. Um, he speaks to me. You know, I've met some people that he speaks audibly to that they actually hear the voice of God. Um, but for me personally, it's like an innate knowing it's, it's a knowing beyond a knowing beyond a knowing, like there's absolutely no doubt in my mind. There's no confusion. It's, this is the answer. And, and that's how I know that God is speaking to me. Like when I was called to ministry, that first question, yeah, as far as you know, in your heart, you believe. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's, that was a big part of it is, is just praying and understanding that this is what I'm being called to. And there was, there was no doubt in my mind that this is what God was calling me to. This is the ministry that he was calling me to. Um, even the position that I'm in now, there was a lot of prayer that went into whether or not I should even apply for this position. But it, again, it was that innate knowing that, yes, this is what God's calling me to. And this is where I'm supposed to be. And there was, there was not any doubt about that. Yeah. That's how I hear God speak to me. How about you? Yeah. I'm, uh, I through sermons. Sure. Like through sacraments, word and sacrament. Yeah. I mean, I think that's our confession of faith says, you know, God ordinarily speaks through the word and sacrament. I think I can, um, and not necessarily directly to what the preacher is saying, but just in the in the times of listening, thinking through meditation, uh, music, mm, yeah, is definitely a way that God speaks to me. Yeah. And then conviction, like you were saying, Absolutely. there's a conviction there. Um, I Absolutely. do like that uh, Dr. Estes brings up, says at the same time, some of these folks will admit that there have been extended times in their spiritual lives when they have heard little from the Lord. Yes. Even the word of scripture seems muted and in prayer, no answer comes. Yeah. Um, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, uh, silence is a communication though. Yes, that's right. True. So like, I mean, very rarely happens in my life where <laughs> my wife wants to ignore me, <laughs> but when she does, right. it's usually because she's it trying to make a point. Volumes. Yeah, it silence speaks speaks volumes. Volumes. yeah. And so maybe even in the silence, again, that's where I think Job 
we'll get into it deeper. Um, I like in the in page 44, that second paragraph, last sentence, maybe second to last sentence, but even more, Job wants God to say something. Yes. So, and, and I've been that way in a relationship or whatnot. Sure. If you can't, you just, you need that assurance that somebody's there even in the silence. Yeah. And that's where it gets hard. That, that you're not alone. I think in a, in a marriage, you know, and, and gals, let's be honest, we're sometimes we're really good at doing the silent treatment, which is not necessarily the, from a counseling perspective, that's not probably the best thing to do. Guys can do um, it too. And, and guys can do it too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's usually trying to make a point, but at the same time, we want our partner or we want that other person to affirm yeah. that even though you're upset with me right now, yeah, that still you're not, still that you're not walking away from me, that you're still, you're still want to be a part of my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where Job is at is he's getting the silent treatment from God and he wants just some sort of an assurance yeah. that God is still here. God is still hanging out with him and he's not been left alone. Yeah. So I think maybe in a Sunday school class, if you wanted to extend this introduction a little bit is ask when God's silence has spoken to you. Sure. Because I think it does. I oh, think, absolutely. I, does. I know I've in my own life, mm. I've had those times, even in my ministry when I felt like God wasn't speaking and I felt very alone sometimes. Yeah. All right. Anything on that riff? Mm, no, I think it's a beautiful introduction and a great way to talk about where Job is at currently. Yes. All right. So down to the exploring the scripture section. So like, I liked this part, maybe for a different reason as other people, mm -hmm. um, just because I am at heart, I'm a teacher. And one of the things that I learned, you know, there's a lot of books that talk about the teaching, um, method of Jesus or like how things happen. Well, but Jesus was really good. I, I like the way in God, obviously by extension is pretty good. You know, maybe this whole um, silence thing again was God speaking to Job. Maybe Job's the lesson Job needed was to know that he wasn't God. And so God withheld mm. some yeah. communication until, and so Dr. S just brings up about how a lot of times Jesus will, will say a beatitude or he'll have some little, parable or some kind of teaching and then immediately the scene shifts to him doing something yes right and so it's like here's what i'm talking about here's how you act it out and then a lot of times god will say go and do or christ will say go and do likewise right and so you have that introduction of here's what i want you to know here's an application of it by speaking to them then i'm going to demonstrate it and then you go do it right and so right. there's this instead of just saying like uh you know parents are want to do i don't know how many of y'all i've ever heard um you know do as i say not as i do That's or right. that kind of thing yeah um, or just because i said so you know, because i said so just a lot of times Jesus, now there's times oh like we're gonna get here like in joe basically god says calm down mm -hmm. and just you i'm i'm me and you're you and right let's make sure we understand that yeah and that's not satisfying but at least but there's a demonstration where God demonstrates the silence and then God comes in a majestic way. And then Job is left taught for sure. So sure. anyway, that's, I wanted to bring that up. What you got in there? I, I like, I like the same thing, you know, when Jesus speaks, people listen. And I think that's, that's important for us because when God speaks, we should listen. And I think sometimes we're so busy in our lives, you know, especially now that we're talking about spiritual disciplines, which is what we're teaching here um, this week with this, this group of young adults, we get so busy in our lives 
you know, and maybe that's where Job was. He was so busy in his life, just doing his thing that maybe he wasn't really listening anymore. I don't, I don't know. I can't I think say. you got it right. I think he wasn't listening anymore. It's because he it wasn't because he was so busy. It was because he was so concerned about himself. Sure. And maybe rightly so, but I mean, sure. everything he talked about was justification for himself. So yeah. he, he lost sight of God. Right. And that's a great point because we do the same thing in our own lives, right? We get so busy doing good things, doing church work that we stop listening, that we stop listening to what God's speaking to us and the directions that he's trying to give us or where he's trying to show us the path. And we're like, but no, this over here, look, this thing over here looks really good. And I think it's going to turn out, but God's like, I'm telling you, it's this, this thing over here, but it's also the feel sorry for yourself thing. Like Christians do this a lot. Yes. poor, poor, pitiful me. Sure. And then there's like, you know, two homeless people like down the street from you, but you can't see them because you're all poor, poor, pitiful me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a good so maybe be. this is where Job was. He wasn't listening. And, and, and this is a way, this is how God got Job's attention, a terrible yeah. way, but sometimes we, we need to be brought back to, you know, I'm in charge, not you. The other thing Dr. S says in this, um, in this section is talks about the different ways God has communicated to certain people. So like in Elijah, it's still small voice Mm -hmm. Um, for other people. It was different, various ways, but in this one, uh, God is not leaving a lot of room for interpretation. Like sometimes you might feel a leading and you might feel led to something. This is not that this is God saying, I'm in your face. You're going to listen to me. You've come close to overstepping your bounds. And, and yeah. so um, I, I, I was telling Becky, I remember the day I read this verse. I was in a Bible college class, wisdom literature, and the teacher said, you know, read Job what, what, 42. I forgot uh-huh. what it is. Anyway, where God says, all right, comes in this whirlwind. Like yes. he's making sure he's seen. And then he tells Job, you know, face to face, gird up your loins, right? Because yeah. I will question, gird up your loins like a man, and I will question you, and you will answer me, or you shall declare to me. And I'm like, gosh, I just remember that. Like, yeah. I remember times maybe with my mom or my dad or mom, or when I got too big for my britches, sure. and we had to have that heart to heart, or maybe my brother who was older than me, you know, mm-hmm. if I had bucked up, he'd be like, oh, okay, little brother, <laughs> we need to, <laughs> need to make sure we know what's Let's going on. Let's talk about this, big boy. Yeah. Right. And this is what yeah. we get from Job, and, and it's, it's unapologetic. Yes, absolutely. Um, the question uh, about middle of the paragraph, third paragraph, how instructive it is, it, it is to realize the Lord does not speak to Job from the serenity of a different place, mm. but from right in the midst of the storm. And there's a reason for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what do you got in there? I, I think this is, this is excellent. Continuing on in that speech, um, you know, Job, it says the very last sentence, it says Job of the second paragraph from the, from the discussion question, Job didn't know it as he continued to cry out to God, but the Lord was there. Yeah. So he was there all the time, even though he was getting the silent treatment. And then now he shows up in the middle of the storm and, and God, God is there. And this is, I think where we find ourselves a lot of times, Yeah. you know, practical application of this how many times do we find ourselves in our own storm throwing our pity party, you know, and, and not recognizing that, that God's always there. God is always there. Yeah. And yes. And I think that was the, even though Job got maybe a little more than he wanted to from God. I like that last paragraph in the Mm -hmm. section right above the discussion question. 
the fact the Lord answers Job at all is medication in itself. Yeah. I mean, Job was struggling with the fact that God was no longer even around. Right. And so even if you got a bad word, it was still a word. It was still a word. It um, was still a word. Yeah. So the next sentence in that, that God would say anything to Job was evidence of God's caring presence. Yes. And like I said, I've said, you know, probably 14 times in these lessons. I mean, like you can go through hard things if you know God's with you. Or yes. even in life, you can go through hard things if you know a friend's with you. You know, cancer, your friend's always there with you, yeah. taking you to and from the doctors or staying with you while you're, you know, vomiting and, you know, yeah. holding the hair or whatever else for yeah. some people. Um, when somebody's with you, it makes a difference. It does make But a when you still like no one's with you. Yeah. Even a good I mean, thing that's, can be so that's kind of when bad. you get into that depths of despair, which is exactly where I think we found Job is he just, he felt alone. He felt abandoned, not understanding that God was still there, but he just, he felt abandoned, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's a tough place to be. Um, the discussion question doesn't really intrigue me as much, but um, yeah. just real quick. I mean, we see, I mean, Christ is God. Yep. You know, so you'll see Christ being very, very empathetic mm -hmm. to people. But then you'll see Christ overturning tables. Yes. With people. Yeah. And so it, it, he doesn't fit in a box. Mm -mm. So I think that's what we got to understand. I think, uh, I think everyone listening to this would would have loved for God to come down, not in a whirlwind, right. still small voice to Job and be yeah. like, Job, I'm sorry you went through this. Yeah. I just want you to know you were faithful and we showed Satan what was up. Sure. I would be. That would be more exciting. Or sure. A little more me. vindicating, maybe. It would, but he didn't. No. He said, Hey, dude. Gird up your loins. Yeah, like a man. Yeah, 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 exactly. But how many of us would have, I, I agree. I think there's the similarities. How many of times have you prayed that God would speak to you like Paul? Yeah. You know, have that Damascus road experience. Yeah, but pray. nobody really wants to get blind. No, or pray for somebody in your life to have that Damascus road experience that, yeah. that Jesus really presents himself to them and, and just makes himself very aware. How many times have we prayed for that? But that's not how God always speaks. All right. Anything else on that one? I don't think so. That was a good section. Great questions for y'all to, to think about this week. So for the digging deeper section, mm -hmm. I think what we really get at is God is God. Yep. And we're not. That's correct. But take us through. That is correct. I love the bottom of page 45. So God has been asking these questions. And, and these are rhetorical questions. And, and the only thing that Job can reply with, you know, is, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, but that was the point Dr. Osta says, and that's God's point. This is a rhetorical question. Like the other questions in God's response to Job, Job has no answer for them because he had nothing whatsoever to do with creating the world. And I think this is a great place that we we start with in our understanding of this this questioning that job is now going through because god is point pointing home pounding home as as the next section says that god is god right. and job is not yeah. and, and neither are we and neither are we right. that's that's the thing that we need to remember we are not we do not understand but i also like the next section the next paragraph says it's not intended to bully Job because we can read it that way. In our modern literature, we can read it like God is bullying Job, but it's not intended to bully him. It's simply a reminding of where Job is in his place that he is created yeah. being. He's a created being by the creator. And that's something that there's a beautiful verse that talks about we are, he is the potter and we are the clay. Yeah. And as clay, what right do we have 
to question right. the That's potter. Romans nine. You're right. How can you say to me, oh, you know, yeah. why did you make me this way? Yeah. How, how, what right do we have to say, you know, that this is the purpose that we were created to serve. You know, we've talked about it before that everybody is created to fulfill a specific purpose. We're all part of the body. We're all part of one body, but we all have a specific function in that body. Right. And who are we to say to the, to the potter, look, dude, I don't like being the finger. Yeah. I want to be an eye instead. You know, we, we don't have any we don't have any right to say that. Yeah. I also wanted to bring up like the book of Job has helped inform me of my sarcasm <laughs> and my not need to repent from it sometimes, but like the vast majority of scripture, God's not sarcastic. Right. Right. And I don't think you can build a real relationship on sarcasm. No. However, every once in a while, it's an effective means of, of communication, of communication. Sure. I mean, like, and, it, and again, it's probably used when you're trying to humble someone. Mm-hmm. And so it can be dangerous because you don't want to break someone. You want to humble somebody. Yes. You want to bend, but not break kind of thing. Yes. That's what God's doing here with Job. Um, now, Job was mature enough too to handle it. So like you would, you know. That's a great point. Right. And so in your relationships, everybody's different. Just as God speaks to everybody differently, everyone's different. But I mean. Um, yeah. You don't want to use this kind of language with a baby Christian. No. That would not no. be good. No. Well, depending on their. Like I respond to sarcasm, but that's my personality. I love it. (laughs) I mean, I just love it. I love the creativity of it. I love the pride and forceful nature of it. I love it. So a good way to get to me is through sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, when somebody's too timid to me, I'm just like, oh, bless them. Right. Anyway. They're in for a ride. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um. Just to move on then, I do Mm -hmm. like on the top of page 47, bottom of the first paragraph, when Elihu heard thunder or saw lightning, he inferred the voice of God. But when God, when Job heard the voice of the whirlwind, it was God speaking. And I think, I want to say that that might come through maturity. I think, yeah. yeah, because like, if you've been in the word, if you've been in a relationship with God long enough, just like in like, you know, um, like a meteorologist understands thunder better than I do. Right. Because they're trained in it. Sure. And so maybe that's the same way. Maybe you're trained. Yeah. And you can hear God you a little clearer mm-hmm. than what an amateur could. Sure. Well, no, I think that's a great point because again, you learn to discern the God, yeah. the voice of God through through your experiences mm-hmm. and what God's brought you through. Yeah. And then the next paragraph, the last word, God's word strikes with far greater clarity than we have noticed from from the human characters yes. in the story, but I think that shows maturity or not. Yep. Again, it's uh, that it's that innate knowing that you just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's God speaking to you. Right. Um, yeah. You got anything else on that? I, mean, I really liked um, that Dr. Estes pointed out. It was on page 46, middle of page 46. It says it's stimulating to realize that the book of Job predates our modern scientific yeah. understanding of the universe. If any, if you don't know me, I love nature. You know, I have the apps on my phone that I can ID plants and trees. And also I can ID birds because I, I am absolutely mesmerized with God's creativity, um, in the, in the world around me. And so, you know, sitting here where we are in, in Tuklahitia retreat center, it's, it's amazing to witness the creation around me. And so it's, it was an interesting point to note that again, the, context of job we're looking at a time era right around abraham 
And so their scientific knowledge of the universe is very different from what we understand the universe to be. And so to be able to describe some of these things, it's quite fascinating to me to to recognize that. Loved that, that he pointed that out. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, the end of this is on the bottom of page 47, Mm -hmm. where um, Job finally found his voice enough to say, see, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. Job 44. I, I see like the three little monkeys. Yeah. See, no evil speak evil yeah. Like, uh, and friends, if you're in trouble with your spouse, it's a good route. <laughs> you can put your hand over your mouth. Children, <laughs> if you're in trouble with your parents and they're really, really. Hand over your mouth. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good method. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not always the most practical, applicative preacher, but this is a good, this is good advice. Yeah. A yeah. lot of time. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so far as the discussion question, um, yeah, I, I don't want to go to the first discussion question because, like, we've talked about that in, in previous things. But what what is your role? What is our role that we, role play we play in creation? I really think we're supposed to be stewards of what God has given That's us, which is why, um, you know, I am all about planting pollinator gardens and planting trees and taking care of even the smallest of these creatures around us, um, you know, our, our role as a created being is to, is to work with what God has given us and to be good stewards of what we have, no matter if it's creation around us or friendships or our finances time, we should be good stewards of everything that God has given us and to use it to the utmost of our ability to build up the kingdom. Yeah, I would say, so I think what Genesis 1, 23 through 27, the five commandments, yeah. the, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to basically, we're not, we're not stewards, but we're yeah. also co-creators. Yes. Our capacity to create images of God, our capacity to have dominion over the world. Mm-hmm. And when we do it right, yeah, that's stewardship. We fill the earth, subdue it, yeah. right? And we, we co-create with God. Mm-hmm. Like we make beautiful things like cabins that, that don't overtake earth, but the work earth. into it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yep. I think that's, that's a good. All right. Yeah. So let's learn from the scripture. Yeah. We hope. Um, uh, one thing that I did want to mm. maybe I forgot. Backtracking? No, 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 no. I'm not going to backtrack. Um, in this, ultimately God brings up these sea monsters. Yep. Um, and, and the scary. point of the sea monsters is, uh, okay. So on that first paragraph under learning from the scriptures, uh, God says, deck yourself with majesty and dignity, clothe yourself with glory and splendor says the Lord. And what, again, this is sarcasm. So God's saying, you know, you act like you're me for mm-hmm. a minute, but then let's talk about Leviathan and behemoth. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you how you deal with those and Levian- Leviathan and behemoth is not, it's, it's, it's basically we don't know exactly what they were right but they were basically understood as sea monsters you know like the kraken or something like mm-hmm. that Loch Ness monster yeah these but, yeah. but more than the Loch Ness monster in the sense of it was a destroyer they were dangerous yeah very dangerous so um I'll let you talk that through yeah how how I think what what God is asking here is so I have these two created beings, Behemoth and Leviathan. That and I've created. That there I've no created. Equal, right? and, and, and that means they're a good creature. 
but they're a very dangerous creature, right? You can't, you can't subdue them. Um, Leviathan has crushing teeth. You can't tame it, but yet it's part of my good creation. So what exactly would you do with this? You know, how would you handle these creatures? And I think the point is that in our humanness, you know, I often ask this about mosquitoes, to be honest with you. Why in the world do we have mosquitoes? I hate those little things. But at the same time, if you understand the life cycle of mosquitoes and what animals they feed through, through the creation. Yeah. I mean, if we didn't have the mosquitoes, there were, there are other creatures on this planet that we wouldn't have because that's part of their main food source. So what do you do with it? How do you handle it? You know, sounds like you kill them. I would kill a mosquito, but, but at the same token, they're, they're good. And there's a purpose. There's a reason for them being, we may not understand that because there's a lot of things on this planet that we don't understand, but there's a reason and a purpose for them being here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to go too far. I mean, that section, it is what it is. The the ultimate thing is like Job was presenting himself as King and God says, all right, big boy. Yeah. But just off the top of my head, these two things, you'd have no idea what to yeah, do. And those do? are just two things here on this earth. Who knows about the foundations of the earth, right. the, the revolving the sea creatures of, yeah, that, I mean, you like, know, I mean, and if you study anything in earth science, it's, it's amazing. Like how the Saharan deserts. Yeah. It the, does not take much to understand you're not God. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes you gotta be reminded. Right. Yes. So uh, I will go with the discussion question though, because I think this is, this is actually what the Lord was trying to get to where uh, the Lord and Dr. Estes there's a difference though. God <laughs> uses the Leviathan to symbolize something Job, Job cannot control. What in your life do you not have control over? Does that humble you? Mm. And how do you live in response to those things? Uh, and friends, it's about to rain here. So yeah. uh, we might if we go quick. Off. Yeah, you're good. Um, so what things do I not have control? A lot, yeah. most everything, you know, um, I think of right now, you know, my husband and I are looking at moving to a different place and trying to find a, a different home. Um, do I have control over what rentals are available? Nope. But do I trust that God's going to find us a place and show us the right one to have? Yes. Yeah. Keeps you humble. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Is it, is it the book of James? You know, you're going to say, I'm going to do this or do this, but none of you, you have to ask if the yeah. Lord wills us to do this or that. Yeah. I'm the same way there. Uh, there's all kinds of things, especially in the ministry. What I noticed was like, if one thing went well, had like two or three families visit within a month and we're starting to grow, I'm like, ah, look at this. We're about to rock and roll and everything's going to be so great. And we're going to have 200 people here pretty soon. And then all of a sudden, you know, things don't go to fruition. And, and, and and a part of it is, you know, people move or whatever else. And it's not, but part of me knew when I was getting too big for my britches and the Lord was like, you know, maybe you know, maybe you still got some learning to do before you can be a pastor of a church that's right this big or in the lives of people. I, sure. I think there is something to that. Yeah, there's a um, lot. There's a lot we don't control. And and there's it's humbling, but at the same time, I think it should be liberating. It is liberating if you can accept it. Yeah. That's hard though. It I is mean, hard. Do you I'm like not, to yeah. not have control. Oh, are you yeah, kidding me? Right. Come on. Like I mean, I can't even stop it from raining. No. Like I'm type A personality. I like to be in charge, but so it can be liberating when you can let it go. Yeah. What limits do we face when we seek to answer, seek answers to the deep questions of life? I think we're not God. We're not God. Yeah. So. And we don't have those answers. We are clay. 
All right. So before we start getting completely rained on, I think what to summarize this lesson to help us out here, I mean, number one, God speaks, right? Even in the silence, God speaks. Even when you feel like you haven't heard from God in forever, God's still speaking. Sometimes we're on a tune. Turn your radio on. Listen Turn to the master radio. Right. Turn your radio on. Anyway. <laughs> Second, God is God and we're not. Yeah. Mike, I think there's a good acknowledgement of that. And then three, what we just talked about, a finite mind can't understand the infinite things. I mean, we, we can get deep, but even as... I yeah, mean, the consequences like, of every decision ever made by humanity and the, the far-reaching consequences of what those are, we will never be able to understand. That is not within our power. Won't do it. Yeah. Like and subscribe. Like Hit and the subscribe. Below. I think next week, it's not next week, is it? I don't know. What do we got next week? Well, I'm trying to figure, we'll have one more of these yes. live things, whether it's next week or the week after. We'll be at the pause program where I'm teaching Old Testament and she's the chaplain. Yeah. Um, but soon we'll get back in a normal routine, whatever that means. I don't know what that means so, either. <laughs> so preach well, teach well, change some lives through the work of the Holy Spirit, Amen. power of the Holy Spirit, um, and, and do well, my term of